hope one of the things that you've learned about me, Emily, is that I want to say yes as often as possible. So when I say no, you know. Oh, that. I know this is. I know this is true. <laughs> That's okay. All right. So, uh, how to study the Bible? Yep. Whoop, whoop. Well, hey, welcome to the Highland Growcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Emily. And today we're going to talk about how to study the Bible. Woo-hoo. It's exciting, right? It is exciting. It may sound dry. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out. Is that bad? Oh, I don't know that it's dry. I think it's always... (laughs) No, it is exciting. I think it's awesome. Maybe maybe not so much dry as perplexing. Okay, there you go. Yes, that's a better word. Yeah. So if you remember and if you've been following, uh, we changed from the Highland Bootcast to the Highland Growcast. Last week, we uh, released our first Growcast episode. Go check it out. Uh, but before that, when we were still the group cast and in season one, we actually did a um, series on the church, uh, the uh, statement of belief mm-hmm. uh, for Highland. And in one of those, we talked about the Bible. So we've spent a little time talking about what the Bible is. Uh, and, and if you are unsure about that, you can go check out that episode. Uh, but today, rather than talking about what the Bible is, we're going to talk about actually how you dig into it. And Emily, you've got You've got a lot of experience doing this. A little bit, but so do you. Yeah. No. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So when I was, so I grew up in a Christian home, loved my family, just godly, godly parents. And um, they were really just intentional about discipling us as kids. And uh, so my mom was the first one to start teaching me how to study the Bible, which I'm super thankful for. Um, but then when I was 15, they sent me to a camp called Boot Camp at Precept Ministries. I know. When I was 15 um, was when someone taught me how to study the Bible for myself. And it was using a method called the inductive method. And um, it was it really simplified things for me. Um, and because of that, I felt like, uh, you know, studying the Bible didn't seem like a scary, complex complicated thing that you can only do when you go to seminary. It was like me as a 15-year-old was given the tools to to be able to open the Bible and know how to study it, which I was really grateful for. And so, um, yeah. Which I think is such a huge thing because one of the things, let's say biblical illiteracy, I think is a pandemic in the church. Like people just, sure. they don't know the Bible. And I think part of it is because they just don't know how to study it. Mm. It can be intimidating to open up the Bible and try and figure it out, which is why most of us uh, have been trained to really um, just kind of open it and go, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. what 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 does this passage say? And I read yeah. it, and I don't understand it, and I'm like, well, I have no idea what that means, and right. so I just move on to yeah. the next thing. Mm-hmm. Or to, and again, like teachers and podcasts and books and studies are all wonderful things, but it's also easy, I think, to rely on them more for yeah. our relationship with the Lord. When So we're relying on what God has revealed to them as opposed to, going to the primary source, which is God's word. It's his words itself, him speaking to us, um, to be able to, to learn from him directly. Yeah. And, and I think for me, like nobody ever, so you had, you had Bible camp and your mom who, um, who they were going to sit down and they were going to teach you how to study the Bible. I never really had anyone, um, do that for me. And I'll say, honestly, I mean, it's still one of the places that I struggle even as a dad, like sitting down with my kids and mm-hmm. like teaching oh, yeah. them how, how to how study the Bible. Yeah. Um, and I think part of it is just because, and I'm a pastor, so confession, right? <laughs> um, and, but part of it is I just, I, I never mm-hmm. really had that. Yeah. So, 
for me, it was always, well, you open up the Bible and whatever you read, like the Lord is speaking that to you. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so then I'm like, just basically staying in the Psalms because I could figure out, like, even if I didn't understand what all of it meant, like I could find some encouragement or some motivation mm-hmm. or some, um, or the New Testament. Definitely yeah. want to stay in the New Testament because I want to talk about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But I would never go to the Old Testament because that was just foreign. Too much. And I would not go to it's Revelation. So hard to understand. And... Yeah, I wouldn't go to Revelation unless I was wanting to, like, weird myself out. So yeah. um, I think being able to teach, uh, but more than teach for me, like really understand the scriptures became really important, which I didn't learn until, what, 24, 25? Mm. Like, <laughs> um, and so just yeah. having people come around you go, this is what it looks like to open the Bible. And so how do we study the Bible at Highland? Okay, so we use a method that's been around for a long, long time, the inductive Bible study method, right? Mm-hmm primarily in like our, our groups, our classes. Um, I feel like that's the, that's the method we use. Yeah. Correct? Yeah. <laughs> You're I the group that, faster. I think call it that. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the inductive method uh, basically is using the Bible as your primary source to know God. And right. uh, that sounds simple. Like it's like, well, don't we all? But yeah, it's it's saying, okay, I'm going to go straight to scripture first to get to know God personally. And so, and again, a secondary source in Bible study um, would be like a teacher or a workbook or, or a commentary or a podcast. And all those things are great, but they can't never substitute for God's word itself. Um, and it's the primary way that God use, uses, um, you know, to speak to us directly and to, and to speak to us personally too. Yeah. So there's three phases to yes. the inductive Bible study method. What are those three phases? All right. So the first one is observation and it answers the question, what does the text say? Um, the second one is interpretation. What does the text mean? And then the third one is application. How does the text apply to my life? And what does it teach me about the nature and character of God? Yeah. So I am teaching middle school Bible mm-hmm. uh, at, at my kid's <laughs> school. And we've been walking through the inductive Bible study method. And I think for them, it really has been a, like, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. What do you mean? Like, how do I observe? Mm -hmm. How do I interpret? How do I, uh, actually they have a less difficult time with application because we always want to go straight there. Mm. Why, why would we start with observation of the text rather than this is how I'm going to interpret and apply this passage to my life? Because I think it would be, it would be, you know, for one thing, um, there is an author of the Bible, right? <laughs> who is ultimate? It's God. He he breathed. He we talked about this before, but he's the one that who breathed out. He inspired the scriptures um, through men who wrote it out. Uh, and so I think understanding, okay, God had an intention in writing, just like an author has an intention in writing. And um, you know, you you never want to open up any kind of you know, biography or, or like a, let's say you pick up a fiction and you open up in the middle of the book and you have no idea like what's going on. And, um, and so, and the Bible's obviously organized differently from, you know, a lot of other just man written books. Um, but I think if we want to understand, okay, what was the intent in writing? What was, what's the meaning of what's being written? And then I think starting out with just observing it, which is just comprehending it and, and just reading it and learning just seeing what it says, not trying to determine the meaning yet, but um, figuring out, okay, what does it actually say so that I can then interpret the meaning from what it says accurately. Yeah. 
and here's the funny thing, like um, biblical theologians, and when I say biblical theologians, I mean uh, people who practice biblical theology um, would look at the inductive method and they would say, oh, that's just good biblical theology because biblical theology is the discipline of understanding the Bible as written by, uh, as one story written by one divine author culminating in the person and work of Jesus Christ with all of the stories, the overarching story sure. pointing back to him. And so there's a way that you go about looking at that story to arrive um, at the entire narrative of scripture um, that makes it really important that we're doing those things. Mm -hmm. And so we understand that the author had um, a particular vocabulary. He grew mm -hmm. up in a particular context in a particular time talking to a particular, and I think we've said this before, yeah. um, and, and, and the message that he was giving was for that people. Now, is it for us too? Absolutely. But it was specifically for that people at that time. And then later it would become for us. And so as we're observing the text, as we're looking at it, asking the five W's and an H, <laughs> the who, what, when, where, why, and how, it's what would these people have understood him saying at the time? Because I think, you know, um, when we read the Bible with our Western eyes, we have a concept of some things in our day, and we read back, we read that context back into what the scriptures are saying, and then we're like, well, that's a horrible thing to say, or that's a horrible thing to do when our context is completely different. And so it becomes important that we understand those things, which is why we observe the text, ask what does the yeah. text say before and, we interpret it right. through our Western and eyes. I think like a simplified way to put it is just say we truly, you just, we read it, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's just say we pick a book of the Bible. We're going to, we're going to read through Ephesians. Okay. Yeah. And so um, you, what I would say is, you know, you just start by, you know, I would start with a short book by doing an overview, whether that's listening to it, like reading the whole thing really, you know, and without kind of going too in depth, but can, you, yep. can I ask you a question? Yes. Is there a reason why you chose Ephesians yes. specifically? Okay. This is a good plug opportunity. Shameless. <laughs> We're working on writing um, and producing a, one of our Highland inductive studies on the book of Ephesians to be using in our men's and women's Bible studies in the spring. This coming super spring. super exciting. And you guys will be able to register for that in when? December? Soon. Yeah, Soon, December. Which is coming up, guys. December Merry Christmas. Yeah. So, <laughs> Merry yeah. Christmas. Join <laughs> the Merry Highland Christmas. inductive study. <laughs> Okay, yeah. sorry, carry so on. So anyway, so that first step, it sounds like, oh, really academic observation. You know, really, it's just reading it, uh, but also going at it not with the mindset of, like, I read a verse, and if you don't understand it, don't worry about it. Like, you're going to come back to that later to determine what it means. But by reading, like, a whole chapter at once or a whole passage, even if it's just a chunk of that chapter, um, just reading it first, uh, just to kind of comprehend what is it saying. So, and you can do that by, um, you know, I've used, I use the word interrogate the text, right? You ask it questions like a, like an interviewer. <laughs> what is that face? That's a, no, like, that's a good word. Jeremy's I've been face. using that like, word. I've been using that word with my middle school. Okay. Yeah. And they're like in interrogate. And they're like, what is, so like a detective, you ask it lots of questions and, um, you know, like, okay, who is writing it? Why is he writing it? Um, what is he saying? And so you, you can look at, for me, I can get really distracted when I read and zone out quickly. And so unless I'm like intent on asking questions of myself as I'm reading, um, yeah, I don't know. 
Anything else you want to say about asking it questions? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's, I think that's asking really good. You ask as a, you're I, I just, I want to pick your brain here because you're so incredibly uh, gifted at this. Uh, and that's one of the, you can shake your head and give me the weird eyes all you want. But the reality <laughs> is you can tell in your teaching, and, and this is the one of the things that I really respect about you and Jen uh, and John, is that in your teaching, what you can tell is that you have not just uh, you're, you're not just exhorters, but you truly are teachers. And so your grasp on uh, the history of the text, your grasp on the cross-references in the text, your grasp on those things is just, like, did you just wake up one day and you knew all of those no. things? Or <laughs> not at how all. did you learn? That's the other thing is that, don't you think it takes practice of learning how to read? Like, I feel like our culture too now, it's like we're so used to reading blogs. And then now it's like, I can't even read a blog. I don't have time to read a blog. So I'm going to read a Twitter post. Or I'm just going to read the headlines of the art, the, the news article. Yeah, and then I'm just going to assume because I read the headlines that I know what the news is, you know, the news right. report is. So I think having to retrain our minds and how to read, period is probably a big deal with scripture and so um take and so it takes time and effort and um a lot of patience and it's easy to, to get frustrated <clears throat> i think in the early stages because you're trying to again retrain your mind and how to read how to absorb what you're reading and yeah yeah we become consumers like we consume everything right mm -hmm. so i want to read the bible like i'm reading a twitter post or I'm reading a newspaper, or I'm reading a work of fiction, rather than allow. And I had a pastor who used to say that as I'm, as you're reading the text, the text should be reading you. Mm. And so, which lends itself to no, I need to slow down and I need to try and understand yeah, what it is that I'm it. reading. Yeah, yeah, and so if you know, and it, if it truly is what it claims to be, which is the words of God directly speaking to us about himself and like what a treasure. And so it's truly, it is work, like it's mining, but you, the, the fruit and the, the benefit that we gain from it is so worth it. So yeah, but one of the other things that I do uh, when I read is I look for just repeated words that are in the passage. So for example, um, a lot of people are familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, which talks mm -hmm. about love. Love is patient. Love is kind. So if you were to look through that chapter, love would be a repeated key word. So if you were to remove that word from that chapter, then it would lose a lot of its meaning. And so that's what a key word is. And yeah. so, um, so when you're reading a chapter kind of in this first stage, when you're observing it, uh, you know, asking those questions like, who wrote this? Why did he write it? What is he saying? Um, how are, how is this taking place? All of these things. Um, you're also kind of looking for like, you know, what a lot of people call keywords and phrases, which uh, is just something that's either repeated in the chapter or it's essential to the meaning of that text. Yeah. And so if you look at something like a precept or the Highland inductive study or things like that, like um, one of the things that we do is we'll, we'll have people mark, right, mm -hmm. in their in their yeah. Bible particular words. So God, Jesus, yeah. and all, some all people don't enjoy marking, and that's fine. But why I do we do love it? Love marking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it helps people to, a lot of people to slow down and, and to pay attention. Again, I, for me, if um, it keeps my mind from just wandering or if it's at night, keeps me from falling asleep. I know that's, again, that sounds horrible, but it's just human, I think, nature. Um, and so by, by marking the text, we're able uh, to pay attention to what we're reading, to, to really look for it. Um, and then later, 
you know, after you mark those key words and phrases, it's an opportunity to list what you learn about that. And so um, let's say that, you know, you're reading Ephesians and you mark the word grace throughout the whole chapter. Um, you know, if you were to keep a running list about what you learn about grace, it would be truly, it's just truly special um, to be able to say, you know, that God lavished his grace on us, you know, by grace, you are saved through faith. And so you have this list of things that you can learn about God's grace, like just, just facts about it that could really minister to your soul. Yeah. And it, and it <laughs> ties it to, um, it, it really begins to make you think through what is like, who, who is speaking like in this moment? Yeah. So like, is God speaking? Is Jesus speaking? Mm-hmm. Is Paul speaking? That's is true. John speaking? Is uh, mm-hmm. and then it'll tie you to the landscape, right? Like where where are they when they're speaking? So um, one of the things that we mark is references to time or references to places, and so uh, I think the marking because which I don't I'm not as extensive in it as you are. I don't enjoy it as much. Like I'm not <laughs> okay. drawing That's like fine. gold triangles or trumpets. You're or, just not as good of a person as me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, we've proven that over <laughs> and over and over. But uh, I think marking those things, underlining, circling, all yeah. of those things, um, it's helpful. And some yeah. people find it not to be helpful, and that's totally fine. Yeah, truly. I imagine <laughs> K. Arthur has like. It would probably be like, if you don't know who Kay Arthur is, Kay Arthur um, started Precept Ministries, and um, we use Precept in, um, uh, we have two classes that have specifically used Precept for years. That's what they study. And then uh, we have a Monday morning Bible study that uses Precept. We've used the Precept studies in our um, years in our years, Wednesday and Thursday men's and women's Bible studies, though we've moved to writing our own at this point. But uh, Precept is a ministry that uh, has been doing uh, this, helping people study the Bible really well for a long time. And we actually have a whole bunch of those resources. So if that would be something that you're interested in, you can email me, jeremy-daniel at highlandbc.org or emily, emily-kelly at highlandbc.org or hbcwaco.org. They'll both get to us. <laughs> but um, the reality is there are lots of resources out there that people can use to teach them how to study the Bible, but we would encourage you to learn how to do it this way because why? What's one of the things that we've found that people really wrestle with in studying the Bible? Um, okay, I'm trying to figure out where you're going <laughs> Okay, so why we use inductive Bible study? Yeah, yeah I think... So it feels unattainable, but one thing that I love about inductive, the inductive method is that it's very accessible to, to pretty much anyone. And the other thing about it is that um, it kind of forces you to, to, to approach scripture from the mindset of, okay, I'm not going to read in my own interpretation and my own application. I'm not going to scripture to back an opinion I already have. I'm going to go to scripture with the mindset of what does it say? with the hopes of interpreting the meaning of it next and then saying, all right, whatever it's saying, whatever it means, I'm going to adjust my thoughts, my attitude, my lifestyle. I'm going to, I'm going to adjust me. I'm not yeah. going to take the scripture and, and try to form it to what I want it to say or what I think it should say or use it to back up my opinions or my lifestyle. Instead, I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to be the one to change here according to what it says. Right, right. And, and, you're able to do that without someone giving you a book and saying, hey, here's here's yes. a book. This is yes. how you do it. Um, but as you learn and grow in these things, you can just actually open up your Bible mm. and do it for yourself. Yeah. I don't need a 
a companion or an accompaniment yeah, to it. Yeah, because you've trained yourself in how to do it. Right. And so, and then, yeah, and eventually, like, I don't, you know, for me, I, it's not like I keep, like, a document in front of me that says observe, interpret, apply with all the steps because, um, like, I've, I've just tried to train my mind to, to read this way. Yeah, which but. is good. So... You are a powerful observer, Emily Kelly, a powerful observer. How do you move from that observation? Like, these are the things that I see in the text. Now, how do I interpret that? Mm-hmm. Like, what, yeah. what do I do? No, that's an excellent question. <laughs> so what does it mean? Um, and, and so I think to remember that, you know, the what scripture is, that it was written over a period of 1500 years by how many authors? I don't know. Bunch. A bunch of authors. <laughs> but ultimately, there was one author who inspired them all to write this. And so um, I think keeping it in context, everything in context. So when you're when you're reading a verse um, that's hard to understand, uh, to think about it in light of the setting in which it sits. So look at mm-hmm. the chapter, the verses that are around it, look at the book that it's in and what it's saying. Um, and then also think about it in the context of the whole whole Bible, because yeah. um, because it was written by ultimately one author, it's not going to contradict itself anywhere. Um, and there's places that it might look like it contradicts itself. Um, but one of the things that I've found to be helpful is, is by looking up uh, something called cross-references, which is using scripture to help us understand it, scripture. <laughs> it explains itself. And so um, how, do you, how do you look up cross-references, Jeremy? in your study? Yeah. So in my study, I, I, here's where I've been really challenged, especially as we're writing those, um, that you and Jen are really good at just like thinking through them and pulling them out. I have always been, um, as far as like cross references, although I feel like I'm getting better at it now, I've always been, uh, the guy who's like looking in my Bible, like I'm looking at those little numbers. I'm looking at the column in the middle. I'm looking at the (laughs) thing at the bottom and going, Oh, they, they've done these cross references for me. So I can go there. Totally. Uh, So, so most of the time when I'm cross referencing, I'm doing it from the scriptures. Although now I feel like, like as I've grown in my understanding, Mm -hmm. uh, and too, as I've grown in, um, my memory of the yeah. scriptures that I'm able to kind of pull things together. And what I feel like has been really interesting is that uh, now I'll be reading and it'll make me think of another verse. So uh, for example, we're writing Ephesians, but we're studying through the book mm-hmm. of Hosea. And so as I'm reading um, Ephesians five and it's talking about fleeing sexual immorality and how, Uh, those who practice such things, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. I'm thinking back literally Mm -hmm. to Hosea to see their idolatry, to see their, and in the church in Ephesus, you're seeing some of those things, same Mm -hmm. things begin to pop up. Now it's not two golden calves, um, two high places, but um, there's this uh, sexual immorality, this sexual worship, this joining together um, with pro- there, there's all these things. So I'm looking at those things and I'm thinking back to the things that we're reading in Hosea. Now, is it a direct cross-reference there? But but it applies from Old Testament to New Testament. You begin to see, one, the patterns of the people of God, mm-hmm. um, but then two, the warnings that he's given in so many places in the Old Testament. So um, I think, mm, one, I just kind of started using my Bible. Yeah. They put those cross-references there for me. I'm helpful. like, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and it's aw- uh, awesome. Interesting how often New Testament writers will quote the Old Testament. Yes, that And we'll true. just kind of gloss over it like, oh, here's what Paul said. Well, no, that's not what Paul he David actually David, said. That. He was quoting, yeah, the law. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Another thing that we like too is um, so obviously using the mar- looking in the margins of your Bible is super yeah. awesome. Um, but we use Blue Letter Bible a lot. I love Blue Letter which Bible. Is awesome and simple to use. They have an app, but uh, that's really great as well if you prefer to use apps. Um, but if you go there, you can play around with it. You enter in the the reference that you're confused about that you're wanting to know. Like, hey, I just want to know what in the world this mm-hmm. means. Um, and you can go there, and, and when you click on the verse reference like the address (laughs) basically for it uh then it'll bring up different options there'll be cross references there's something called an interlinear something where you can look up the original greek or hebrew word which we can talk about that in a minute sure Um, but you can find a list of cross references there uh, and it'll take you all over the place yep there's another app called the literal word Mm -hmm. uh, which kind of does the same thing Uh, it's more of the um it's more of the languages it makes it a little easier um, than I think even Blue Letter Bible, um, but that's a that's a great yeah. one. And then you sent me one the other day. It's like a dude that's written uh, commentaries like over the whole oh, Bible. Oh, I love him. Okay, uh, Doctor Thomas Constable. <laughs> he was a professor at DTS, so he has. Um, is that Dallas Theological? Dallas, Seminary? sorry, yeah, Dallas Theological Seminary, uh, and he's a pastor or was a pastor, I think, in Plano, mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> But yeah, it's soniclight.org, and it's his commentary on it. But it's a lot of historical commentary, which is different from uh, what's, I don't know, a lot of other commentaries. Right. And so most commentaries are going to be expounding on the text. Like, here you're reading it, and this is what it means. And so we we discourage you from actually going to commentaries too early. But there are particular things that we wouldn't. So Like historical ones. Yeah, we would always encourage you to go to, like, Blue Letter Bible, because you're able to find the Greek and the Hebrew. You're able to find those things for yourself. You're able to look at the meaning. And then without someone telling you what you should be thinking about it, you're able to come kind of come to... Uh, your own understanding. Now, I, I think this is a great opportunity to kind of talk about why we do Highland inductive studies the way we do them with that element of personal study at home and then group study, uh, group discussion around a table and then teaching. Um, why do we why do we do it that I mean, Maybe yeah. I'll answer it, but no, it's good. <laughs> why it's do we question. do it that way? No, that's a great question. I think uh, and you may have a different answer, but one of the reasons why <laughs> I think we do it, this does feel like a test. I'm really nervous. He's going to kick me off the team. No. Uh, so I, one of the ways is because in our individual times with the Lord, he's going to highlight things to us in a passage that we're studying that, uh, that, you know, we think is, that, that we find interesting or confusing or, um, you know, whatever it is. And so, you know, on our own, like that's an opportunity to go deeper with interpretation, right? Where we look up cross-references and we look up, uh, we, we talked about this for a minute, but something called a word study where, because the Bible wasn't originally written in English, it was written what? in Greek, uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And so by going back to the original language, um, you can... You, English is very limited. It's a weird language. And so sometimes it doesn't capture the full meaning of what, um, you know, a Hebrew or a Greek word says. And so by looking up the original meaning, 
yeah, I feel like this was like a rabbit trail. But anyway, no, <laughs> so, so when you study it on your own, let's go back to where we were, circle back around. Um, you you have this opportunity to to interact with the Lord through his word, and he teaches you um, himself, is what Psalm 119, 102 says. And so he teaches you from his word. And when you come together as a group, you get to kind of share with each other what you've discovered for yourself from scripture. And so then you learn from one another in that setting as well. Yeah. So what, is, what is your answer That's, to that question? Mine is the same, <laughs> okay, uh, except from um, a, a more skeptical standpoint. I say we always want people to study it on their own because we don't want them to be influenced by what other people are telling them. That's good. Right? Um, and so the reason that we don't teach the text and then say, now go do your personal study That's over it good. is because I don't want you to just think what I've told you to think. I want you to think on your own. And then when we move it from there into the group discussion, from that personal study to group discussion, I'm able to sit and I'm able to listen to see, oh, here's what these people have yeah. understood this text to mean. Uh, and, and some of them are going to have some really good ways that they went about arriving some of them at them. Maybe not. And some of them will be like, well, yeah. I feel like mm. it. And so I think it's a great opportunity for us to be able to, one, um, really kind of lean into our own understanding. And as you said, um, being taught by the Lord, by the Spirit of God. Like, yeah. what does this mean? But then on the other side of it, it kind of frees us from having to have someone tell us what it means um, or being influenced by having someone tell mm -hmm. us what it means. And we're able to do it for ourselves. Because if yeah. you look at the scriptures, there's never really at any point um, a place where it says, you know what you should do? You should spend all of your time listening to this, these particular teachers and you take everything they say as gospel and you just do it. But what there are is, is scriptures that would tell you, you test everything, right? You be like the Bereans. You yes. test every word that's given. And in order to be able to do that, you have to be able to do that. And so we are going to ask you to study it on your own and not be influenced by the things that are going on outside, by commentaries that you're reading. We're just asking you to read through the text, observe it, go to those places that are going to help you understand the Greek, understand the history to begin to try and interpret it. Then we bring it to the tables and we have discussions around it to see, hey, where'd you land? And what you're going to find is that in a lot of times, we're all landing in the same place, right? And that's a good thing. But there's also the opportunity to learn, like, I'm way, way different than everybody. Everybody else has landed in the same place, and I am way over here. Yeah. What does that mean? Are they wrong? Am I wrong? Are they right? Is there not a wrong or right? Yeah. And then you want competent teaching, right? We want someone who can um, open, uh, divide God's word, uh, to kind of give, uh, again, direction. But even that, we should be testing. So I tell people all the time, there are a thousand John Durham's, right? And John is awesome. There are a thousand John Durham's who are smart, and they are witty, and they are funny, and they are magnetic, and they um, are engaging. But the gospel that they're preaching is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I have to, I have to, I have to be able to take the things that they're saying and measure them against the word, which is the final arbiter on all things. So it really is important that I learn how to study the Bible, which is why we kind of format our study the way we format it, because we want you doing the hard work first, not doing the hard work for you yeah. in the beginning. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so we observe, we interpret, and there's lots of ways to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so then we have to apply that. Why is it yeah. important that we're applying those texts <laughs> to our life? It's the whole point, right? So 
<laughs> yeah, so um, 2 Timothy 3, 16, uh, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so what I like about that is that it's for a purpose, that um, that the scripture is beneficial, it's profitable, There, there is gain to all of this. It, truly, it's, it's a labor, you know, studying scripture. But there is benefit to it because it's inspired by God and it, it's good for for all these things, for, ter- for correction, for teaching, for, for training up so that we can have a right understanding of who God is and, um, and that the end goal is that the man of God not be perfect because we're not going to be perfect, but that we be complete and that we're equipped to, to do everything that God has called us to do. And so, um, so I think the two questions that we ask, even as we're studying, like I think, you know, yes, like, you know, you want to apply the scripture accurately based on, you know, what the scripture is actually saying for sure. But there is an attitude that we should go into even at the beginning when we first start reading a book of the Bible is just saying, you know, Lord, I want you to convict me, um, you know, ask, allowing the Holy Spirit to, to wield it like a sword, to discern our thoughts, to discern our motives, to convict us and to encourage us and to teach us about the character of God. And, um, and so to have that attitude is absolutely necessary. Um, otherwise we're doing ourselves probably more harm than good yeah and we have a tendency i think to think of the uh the scriptures like a hammer right like oh i needed to break some things in me and and maybe but uh i I think the picture that we get um at least the the painter the scriptures really paint of themselves is more of a scalpel right Mm, Uh, it is a very exacting um tool that god uses um, and, and so the entire point of the scriptures, again, if we understand it, isn't it's not our roadmap for life, right? It's not the um, it's not um, the place we go to to figure out how to live our best life now. It's not it's not any of that. But that's the place we go to hear from the Lord. It is His word to us. It is God speaking to us. And what that means is, uh, if that's true, and I believe that it is, um, then then it's going to make some claims on my life. The God of that Bible is going to make some claims on my life. Mm. And, and my role is to either submit to those or to rebel against them. I don't get to change it and make it mean right. what I want it yeah, to mean and absolutely. say what I want it to say, which is why it's so important that we do it kind of the way we talked about. We want to observe what does the text say. We want to interpret what does it mean. Mm-hmm. And not what does it mean for me in my context yeah. in 2020, but what did it mean at the time? And then... Because of that meaning, right, that that meaning that the author originally intended, um, how does that apply to my life today? Because the reality is God has not changed yesterday, today, uh, or forever, which means that he is the same today as he was when he wrote it. <laughs> and so how are we going to allow the scriptures to bear weight on us, which means this. And there's going to be some places in my life where I'm not aligned with the heart of God. I'm not aligned with the scriptures. And rather than try and change the meaning of the scriptures to eisegete, right? Mm, It's the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. Exegesis is going to the text to find meaning from the text. And eisegesis is taking meaning into and trying to read meaning out of the text, Mm. what I want it to say, right? Uh, And so I tell my kids all the time, like you don't want your dad to be an eisegete because what mm. I can do at that point is say, well, look right here in the scriptures, yeah. it says that if my kids are disobedient and they're rebellious, <laughs> I should drag them out of the tent and I should stone them. 
That's what the Bible says, mm-hmm. right? And right now I'm mad and I'm angry at you, and that's what I want it to say. And I feel like I could defend it biblically. And so I'll begin cherry-picking these verses and yeah. say, well, this is what it means. I'm not reading the context. Yeah. I'm not reading the. I'm not reading any of those things. I'm just saying in my moment, in this moment, this is the way that I feel. Mm. And therefore, here's a Bible verse that backs that up, and so I'm going to do what I want. And so we've seen the Bible used eisegetically mm. uh, yeah, to— Yeah, absolutely, to— uh, really affirm uh, any number of evils. But when we allow the scriptures to read us, yeah. when we allow the scriptures to interpret our life, when we allow the scriptures to really inform our identity, inform our politics, inform our sexual orientations, inform all of those things as it should, and it will, um, then we have to align our hearts to those. Now, the reality of the situation is this. There are um, different interpretations of the Scripture, and I get that. I understand it, but that does not mean that there are different meanings, Mm, right? Um, And so there is this spectrum. Maybe we'll call it a broad spectrum of orthodoxy that we can disagree on. Some So I would disagree with my Presbyterian brothers and sisters on um, infant baptism, right? We can disagree on those things, but by and large, those... Uh, we talk about it a lot, those open-handed and closed-handed um, ma- matters of the gospel uh, become really important. And, and the reason that we've landed in the same place on those closed-handed things and we've landed in different places on those open-handed things is is interpretation. Like yeah. everyone is interpreting these closed-handed things the same way. Mm. That and, and so we're not debating those things. We're not like we believe that it is clear from the scriptures, pretty black and white, that this is what this means. Um, but then there are these open-handed things that um, that allow themselves a little more debate. But at the end of the day, uh, we want to make sure that we are submitting our lives to the scriptures and not trying to yeah, make it the other way around, so not good. making the scriptures mm-hmm. submit to my manner of life. Yes. So like an example, like I think of for me, um, you know, there's these the beliefs that we hold to, the doctrinal beliefs and uh, that can, and, and the scriptural theological beliefs that will rub up against my flesh too, day by day. And so I think about like Philippians 2, where he says, you know, have this attitude in yourself that was also in Christ Jesus, you know, where he talks about how do nothing from selfishness and empty, you know, conceit. And it's like, okay, is, he doesn't say like, unless you're in this situation or unless this person is being unfair to you or unless, right. you know, you know, you have this, he's saying, no, do nothing from that. And so my, in my flesh, I could either push up against that and be like, "Mm, nah, forget that, you know, and in a sense, rebel, not just in a sense, but yeah, rebel against God's teaching in that moment to my heart and, and to this situation that I'm in, or I can come under the Lordship of, of God and the Lordship of Christ and say, okay, I'm going to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) Lord willing, ask him to conform my mind to his mind. And so, um, so I think that's one of, that's probably one of the hardest parts of studying the Bible is <laughs> learning how to, how to submit to him, you know, and, and, and again, he's given his people, those who have put his faith in him, the Holy Spirit to, to transform us and to, to empower us to do those things. 
um, in the pursuit of God, this is one of my favorite things that Tozer says about Scripture. He says the Bible is not an end in itself, but a means to bring men to an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God, that they may enter into him, that they may delight in his presence, may taste and know the inner sweetness of the very God himself in the core and center of their hearts. Mm-hmm. And for me, I just that always has to stay at the top of my mind because the days that I struggle where I don't have a desire to open my Bible, I mean, those days happen frequently, you mm-hmm. know, just like it does for anybody, where I don't want to spend time with the Lord. I just don't, you know, my I'm just, I'm tired. I'm, you know, I've had a long day or I'm hungry <laughs> or want to turn on Netflix. I don't know. Um, but to remember that, like, it's not just something that we do, you know, mm-hmm. that it's truly, this is a means for me to, to enter into fellowship with God and to commune with him, to hear from him directly. And what a powerful and awesome thing that we have as believers. Well, yeah, what a what a beautiful gift. And I think if, if we started seeing the scriptures as a gift, mm. and I think I've said this in every podcast for the last, I don't know, several weeks, is, you know, we don't have to wonder what he thinks. We don't have to um, grope around ignorantly or blindly to figure out the mind of God because he's given it to us in um, the scriptures. We have those things in the scriptures. And so our love for the scriptures is not a love for um, this leather-bound book mm-hmm. with real thin pages and nice gold gilding and cool um, bookmarks, but it is a love for the God who has given them to us. And so uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible and said it this way, that every story whispers mm. his name, the name of Jesus, and then um, begins, it opens with this beautiful, like this is God's love letter to his people. And I used to hate it when people would describe it that way. Um, but the reality is what I've found um is I've gone deeper and deeper into the study of the scriptures is this, that um, what I would look at and go, oh, that's not a very loving and that's not a very kind thing is, no, that's that's God telling me how mm-hmm. things work best. And I love my children and I want to inform them and encourage them and teach them how things work best. And when they are running contrary to that, it breaks my heart. Um, and so I'll discipline them in love. I will correct them in love to try and bring them back to what is best for them. And it may not feel good in the moment, and it may not feel like life in the moment, but eventually, right, the goal is to see them conformed to the image of Christ, to see them grow and mature. And so as we read those things in scriptures and it bumps up against our um, 21st century Western sensibilities, that's really important that we figure out, okay, so this God who has shown himself to be kind and loving and gracious and merciful, but also serious about mm-hmm. sin and serious about holiness, how do these two things jive together? And the best way to figure out how those things work together is in the scriptures. So if I have a, if I have a limited understanding of the scriptures, then I have a limited understanding of God because I am filtering it through this other weird conception of a God of my own making or a God of my own understanding. And that's the beauty of the scriptures is we don't have to have a God of our own making or a God of our own understanding because he's revealed himself in the scriptures. That's awesome. Emily, what else you got? 
Um, well, I thought it would be fun to like share with them some like resources. So if they want to learn how to study the Bible for themselves, I maybe think. where they can go from here. So yeah, yeah, let's that could do be that. Helpful. So one of the things that um, Jen Durham and uh, Travis Blake actually also suggested this to me was um, they like to give the book or suggest the book by Max Anders called 30 Days. Let me see if I can find it. Here it is. Hang on. 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. But both of them have said that's an incredible book that helps you understand, like, the book genre, when things were written, and timelines, and history, and, yep. you know, all the different things. Um, another book that I love, and again, we've talked about her, Kay Arthur, but she and her son David Arthur and Pete DeLacy, they wrote a book, and, and they edited it, edited it, edited, edited. it, edited and it's called How to Study Your Bible. You can get that on Amazon, too, so yeah. or anywhere. Yeah, and I always suggest a book called One-to-One -One Bible Reading by yes. David Helm. It's about 80 pages. You can read it in about 15 minutes, but what it gives you is a great list of questions. So if you're just um, sitting down with someone who's never really understood the Bible, never really read the Bible, it's a great jumping-off point for figuring out what does it look like to begin to ask questions uh, about the Bible, and it breaks it down by genre, gives you specific questions to ask for the genre that you're reading. Um, which is really good. That's one that I always give. And then again, I can't um, talk enough, I think, about how awesome Blue Letter Bible yes, is. So uh, it's a great, great resource for anybody, really. It's super easy to use, and there's just so much there. If you want to drop some serious coin, like just some serious oh, yes. money, uh, Logos is awesome. a great, a great, great resource. If you want to drop $1,000 yeah. <laughs> or so. Um, but the reality is this, there are a lot of really great resources out there to help you learn how to study the Bible. But ultimately what it boils down to is this, you have to determine in your heart and in your mind that it is important, that it is more important than all of the other things that are vying for your time and attention. And until we do that, we're always going to find some excuses why we can't get into it. And we will remain illiterate of the scriptures and we will remain ignorant of what they teach and what that means for our lives. And so our hope in the way we structure basically all of our ministry is that people are growing in their understanding of um, the scriptures together, that they are growing in their uh, application of the scriptures together and that they are growing in their understanding of the nature and character of God together. And so most of the things that we do are to one of those three ends. Our encouragement, learn how to study the Bible. And if you have a hard time with it, come let us help you. Yeah, come to our Bible study. Yeah. <laughs> no, come study Ephesians with us in the spring too. Absolutely. Well, any other things? Any other encouragements? All right. I enjoyed this, Emily. I enjoy yes, hearing you fun. talk about studying the Bible because <laughs> you're good at it. I, I, talk, I, I talk a lot. So. All right. Well, I'm Jeremy. I'm Emily. And we'll catch you next time.